0: Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that Medbridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode.
1: On today's episode of the Better Faster Podcast, we have a whole host of guests today. We're with my classmates in our third year of PT school here at the University of South Carolina. So there are 20 of my classmates, our management professor, podcast veteran, and co-owner of Vertex PT specialist, Jim Floyd, Brandon, and myself. And we take a little different of an approach to this episode. Uh, We have a small panel of my fellow students, and we get student perspectives on a lot of topics within this field. So we talk about things like the current direction of the profession with regards to direct access, cash clinics, moving to a doctoral degree, things like residencies and mentorships, where uh, the students get information From you know when they're outside of school, so things like podcasts, looking on Instagram, uh, or leaders from the field, um, balancing PT school with other aspects of life, which we know is such a struggle, uh, and then you know maybe how their focus in PT school might have changed in terms of what area they want to go into. I know a lot of us started in one area, and sometimes that changes when we're in PT school. So uh, it's a great episode. We have a lot of great opinions. Four of my classmates do a great job on this episode. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate it. It's how we reach more. People go and leave us a review, preferably five stars. We really appreciate it. And then, if you haven't already, check out the two courses we have coming up. One on November 3rd is the body tempering uh, certification course uh, with Donnie Thompson. It's going to be great. It's one day it's held at Spud's new facility here in Columbia. And then on the 10th and 11th, Chris Johnson is coming to town. Uh, He is the running guru PT. Uh, wealth of knowledge. Just put out a new book as well. Going to be such a great course. That's two days at Vertex PT on November 10th and 11th. If you haven't, please check those out. We'd love to see you at one or both of those. You can get all your CEUs that you need. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster podcast. And today is a very special edition of the Better Faster podcast. It's not just Brandon and I, and it's not just one or two guests. We are in a room with 20 of my classmates as well. So we have a nice big group today, and that's going to be a big focus for uh, today's conversation. We're going to talk a lot about uh, student perspectives on different issues or topics within the field of physical therapy. Uh, So this is our management class. Uh, We are all first semester of our third year and the class is taught by none other than Better Faster Podcast veteran
2: and Vertex
1: co-owner Jim Floyd. Jim, how are you man?
2: I'm doing great. Uh thank you all for coming to do the class with us. We um we're really excited about it and just kind of getting a little different perspective on how PTs market themselves and a lot of just kind of different things that uh um that can that are issues for students and just getting some good student perspective on thing I think will be really really beneficial.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun one. I don't think we've had any other student on here, Brandon, other than me, of uh, of course, in any of our interviews.
0: No, That's right. This is a really cool opportunity. And Jim has done a awesome job with this class. It's way different than when I had it. Um, just having all these guest lecturers come in, getting a lot of different aspects from the military to cash-based PT. So I don't think y'all realize it, but y'all are really, really lucky and really fortunate to kind of be exposed to this. So, I think the way that we want to start this out is we're going to just, we have a list of topics we want to touch on and we're going to sort of take the 30,000 foot view, start really big, maybe pass the mic around, whoever wants to talk and then kind of get a little more specific with some other aspects of the profession, PT school, whatnot. So let's get it going. Um, Yeah. So first topic, and this is for anyone who wants to, wants to discuss what do you think about the current direction of the profession? You know, where do you see it headed just in terms of things you've learned thus far about direct access cash clinics versus in network insurance the fact that you guys have doctoral degrees and that comes with uh, that that implies that you have a certain level of responsibility certain level of education that kind of thing
3: Um, My name is Brian Kibler uh, from Altoona, Pennsylvania, and I think it's a a good thing that you can't smell me through this microphone because Corey and I just Corey and I just exercised, and I didn't have time to change before I came here. So, Um, what was the question? (laughs) So, so uh, yeah, one thing I think is really healthy, uh, and this is this is anecdotal, right? But one thing I feel like is really healthy about the direction of our profession is that. When I talk to people who aren't in PT and I tell them I'm going to PT school, it seems like there is just a subjectively high, like a pretty high value that people put on PT now. Like even people who've never trained in PT don't really understand it. I think people really, like the public kind of understands what we do and why they understand why that's important. So I don't know if, you know, I'm not going to speak to reimbursement, direct access, any of that, but I have to believe that at some point, the, the way we're valued financially is going to catch up to that because I really, I really do think that people in the general public value what we do now. And I don't know if that used to be true before, but anecdotally, I I think that's true now.
4: Uh, I'm Corey Stewart, uh, six foot 185. Um, (laughs) I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, And to kind of piggyback off Brian, I think that the, the awareness or the publicity of, uh, of physical therapy as a profession has definitely uh, it has increased tenfold since we 've even gotten to school. I think just the exposure to be able to educate people, educate patients whether you know it 's on clinical rotations or just in the general public um, being able to educate on what we do as physical therapists or what we will do as practicing physical therapists is extremely important because that education, the doctoral education is something that we know very intimately being in the school setting, like we know it from the inside, but actually being able to share it in a public setting is, I think, what will shift that paradigm to, to bringing better reimbursement and better pay and, and that kind of thing as, as more people become aware of it.
5: Hello, my name's Jessica. I grew up in upstate South Carolina up toward Greenville. I kind of have a little bit of a different view on kind of the public's view of us. I think in general, the people that I associate with see the value of physical therapy. But I think in the general population, we really, there's still so much confusion about what we do. There It's kind of, it's kind of insane things that I've been told that, am I a massage therapist or, um, yeah, that it's just some very wide ranging ideas and you have to like explain to them, no, there's actually good reasons that we're, we do the things that we do and there's research to back it up. And so I think we have a long way to go in like the larger population. Um, I really liked the idea of talking about direct access. Um. That's something that I think will really help, has the ability to really impact care that people in the community can receive. Um, we in physical therapy, are movement experts, we're really good at the musculoskeletal system, right? Neuromusculoskeletal system. If we can continue to educate the population on what we know and what we can provide, the, and we use our direct access to do that, I think we can reach more people, and that's, I have some more ideas on that, but I'm going to hand it off.
0: No, I think you all had really good points, and I, I appreciate that perspective as well too, because it, it really isn't all rainbows and sunshine. I mean, we, we think about it, talking about direct access, across the nation, we still don't have unlimited direct access, right? We're doctors, physical therapy yet we're still struggling with the respect that we feel like we deserve and that we feel like we earned through getting this degree. Um, But I I really think that from what I've seen, I've been practicing eight years now, I'm sounding like an old man, but I I feel like if that's going to change for the better, it really needs to come from the micro level because you got to look at the history. And this is something that Jim and I learned more about. We look at, so I know we're all altruistic, right? We want to help people. I think that we all that in common, but at the same time we have to admit that money is what makes the world go around. At the end of the day, it's about that bottom line. So if you look at reimbursement, right, you look at some of the private payers, reimbursement hasn't changed in the past two decades, one bit it hasn't gone down, but it also hasn't gone up. And I'm referring to Blue Cross Blue Shield, of South Carolina essentially. And that's not good because that doesn't reflect the uh, inflation, right? You know, your tuition, think about that. That goes up every year, right? And reimbursement is going to kind of drive what you guys get paid as future physical therapists. And APTA does some really good things I don't want to bash them but I don't think we can rely on them to change that change reimbursement I honestly think that it has to come from you guys and since I've graduated PT school Jim mentioned earlier just with technology social media you know people getting the word out it has been an overall positive thing for the profession and uh, again I just think that it has to start with literally every patient that comes through the door of your clinics or the clinics that you work at. Hopefully some of you guys will open up a business too. I think that's a really good way to, to get the word out. Patients have to have a good experience. Patients have to be the ones that drive that change. Um, and just from experience too, and I, I know Jim uh, can probably elaborate on this too. We've had several examples of patients who get visits denied and we'll do our due diligence. We'll write letters, we'll get the physicians to write letters but these insurance companies refuse to give more visits. We've seen it happen, though, when the patients bug the crap out of the insurance company, say, look, I need more visits. This is why X, Y, and Z. They have to call every day for about a week, and they finally get it done. So the patients have to be the one raving about the profession, in my opinion. I'm, I'm rambling here, but that's just what I've seen.
4: Yeah, Corey. I think there also is something uh, to say about just the formality of the doctoral degree for, for PTs in general. I was in... Uh, I was at Lexington Medical Center in the hospital setting um, working as a student physical therapist and uh, the physical therapist name tag, something as simple as a name tag was, you know, just their first and last name with DPT in really small print. So compared to some of the medical doctors that said Dr. So-and-so and something just as small as that, um, you know, when you go in and see a patient and you introduce yourself, I'm Doctor So and So, or I'm Corey. Um, there's a different kind of attitude, a different kind of uh, persona that the patients kind of rec- recognize or don't recognize, and it like in talking interprofessionally, it also has a, a large impact as well. Just the the amount of respect and um, like between patient and practitioner, or just interprofessionally.
1: Yeah, no, I I really like all of the points and I love um, hearing Jessica's kind of contrasting view on some of the things that were said a little bit because in our world, Brandon, when we look at social media, we see the Kelly Sturettes, the Zach Longs, the people that are, you know, quote unquote making PT cool and are all over the social, the webs. And, and the people I hang out with every day or in people in the gym setting, they know kind of the role of a PT, at least in the orthopedic realm somewhat. But a lot of these other realms, people don't understand, you know, all the different ways that, that PT can benefit them. And, um, and so I think that it's great to hear, you know, that we still have, well, I guess it's great to make sure that we understand that we have a long way to go, but, I also think that it's important to note that that does start with us and it could be as something as little as how do we refer to ourselves? How do we carry ourselves? How do we present that information to everyone else? Um, and I know one of the big ways of getting information out there is a podcast. That's why we started it. We wanted to just one, we like talking about it. We figured other people might like talking about it too. So um, we kind of wanted to be able to expand and get that information out there. So I, I kind of want to pose that next question to, to you guys is um, outside of school where we are getting fed all this information. Um, are there other ways that you try to get more information about the, uh, about the field, about what's going on? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
6: All right. I'm uh Shay Roney. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Um, I mostly get my information from Instagram and social media as a female. I guess I spend typical amount of time on there and, uh, <laughs> I'll go from one page to the next page and just based off of like who's commenting or who's like tagged in it, I'll just go from one page and then it'll lead me to another which takes me to another page and so it's kind of one of those things that's just like a trickle effect and then I'll end up at some page from somebody from like say California and I was looking originally looking at somebody from like South Carolina to where it just gives me that like widespread knowledge that I probably wouldn't just get from looking at journals but I still do occasionally look at journals because that is kind of like the main area where you can get like a vast majority of the information rather than an Instagram. You can only do so much with your videos and your uh,
5: pictures and stuff. So I also get some information from social media. I follow several groups on Facebook where there's really good discussion. Um, There's a large physical therapy students group. Um, They put a lot of information out. It changes by the minute pretty much. Um, And there's pretty intense debates, but that's something interesting to kind of get the pulse of like what the upcoming like DPTs are kind of feeling. I also follow a couple of business physical therapy uh, groups as well um, because at some point I'd like to have my own clinic, but knowing there's a lot that goes into that and yeah, we're in a management class, but there's a lot to know.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, it, it, running a business is not easy, and you know, especially if you don't have uh, a background in that. And you know, there's a lot to learn in this management class is a great springboard into that because we are, you know, the way that uh, Dr. Floyd set it up is there's so many different areas that we're going to cover. But um, there's so much more that, you know, we still need to know. So do any of you guys have any business background or anything that you uh, you came in with before this class? All right. That's that's kind of and that's where most physical therapists are. I know, Brandon, that's what you said, you know, in PT school, uh, coming out of it. You know, you started a clinic pretty much right away.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we kind of got some business experience or business education sort of at the kindergarten level, I'd say mm-hmm. PT school, which was enough to get a cash-based clinic started, but at the end of the day, that's that's just a thing where you have to you sort of just have to take action, just get out there and do it and just kind of learn by doing and make some mistakes. That's kind of how we learn, though, right? That's that's as human beings. You look at babies. Babies learn to walk by learning how not to fall, and you can extrapolate that to anything in life, too. But I also wanted to back up a little bit, though, and just talk about resources outside of outside of school, right, as well. So I know for me personally, my days of, of reading JOSPT are – few and far between, because I can only read so many articles about how much ultrasound sucks. And I know some dork in the ortho section is going to hear this and probably shoot me a nasty email. But the last two years, I really have invested most of my time and my money in strength conditioning resources, coaches, things like that. Because really and truly, those guys are the experts in exercise. And I have no problem admitting that. And I think that's a thing where it's good to create relationships and to sort of form these alliances with other professions at the end of the day, just to benefit your patients. So there's a lot of people that I follow in that world. Ones that come to mind are Dan John. I think that's a good place to start because he has a whole keep it simple approach. A Really nice blueprint just to kind of base what you do off of. People like Travis Mash, uh, Charlie Weingriff is a strength coach and a PT. And then on the clinical side of things, one of the best resources that we've invested in as a clinic has been virtual ice. So everybody familiar with the Institute of Clinical Excellence, Jeff Moore, they do a pretty good job getting the word out. So, all right, so these are some of the leaders in the profession. So you got people like Jeff Moore, Justin Dunaway, Mitch Babcock, and uh, Zach Long. And it's 30 bucks a month to subscribe to that. That's super cheap. So those, are, those guys are going to be the ones that read Joe SBT, read all the pain science literature, put it together and give you their interpretation of it. And they put stuff out every Tuesday. It's really good stuff. It's like an hour, hour and a half. It's a really nice way to get caught up. You can listen to it when you work out. So highly recommend that.
1: No, I think that's a good point to make about going kind of outside of your comfort zone too with your continuing education, you know, recognizing where um, your knowledge might be limited or or areas that you could benefit from making a connection with somebody that's an expert in that field just to expand your tool belt. So you've got more things to be able to help your patients with. Um, Are there any um, leaders or people in the field that you guys look to that you follow on? Say, I know Jessica mentioned some groups, anybody on Instagram, Facebook, somebody that you, you like what they're doing?
3: Well, I actually don't really follow any PT stuff with my social media because I think the less my social media presence bleeds into PT, the better for me <laughs> in terms of like future employability. So uh, I don't do a lot of that, um, but I do read a lot of like performance blogs, like kind of going along with what you said. It, it really does seem like they they are like kind of in <laughs> up to their elbows a little bit more with like functional exercise, intense kind of stuff, because a lot of the stuff that I mean, I think we're exposed to good Therax here, but I personally want to w- want to work with elite athletes, and a lot of the stuff that we're taught here is kind of for, like, the bottom of the pyramid more, right? because that's it is more applicable to a larger population, but if you do want to work with people who are going to be, you know, pushing themselves a little bit further, I think, yeah, I think looking towards, like, people who are strength and conditioning coaches can really help. Um, they can get a little bit more creative with it. So, yeah.
4: Um On social media, um, I think social media is a great, like Instagram is a great resource because of the convenience. Um, Most people don't have an hour and a half to two hours to sit and read articles or to have lengthy discussions with, um, whether it's physical therapists or people in the strength and conditioning field. Uh, Zach Long is somebody that comes to mind the whole like barbell physio, um, whether it's through his website or through his Instagram, uh, just giving a brief synopsis on the purpose for exercise and incorporating functional exercise rather than just three sets of 10 doing arm curls to strengthen your biceps. Like what what kind of functional movement can we perform and prescribe so that people can compete whether it's in CrossFit or in something, uh, like Brian was saying, like high level athletics. Um, there's a, There's more of a method to his madness um and, and it gives PT a better a better purpose and a um more credibility when it carries over into it. like people can see the justification of, you know, this is why we do this, so you can perform better.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point too. And the other side of that in the Instagram age is that we're I'm I'm guilty of this myself sometimes too, but we live in a day and age where people um base their value off the number of likes, right? So, you know, if you're following someone on Instagram who posts a video of somebody doing upside down banded kettlebell swings. That's not an exercise. I just made that up. We could probably figure that one out though. Yeah, there. <laughs> the thing about it is there there's no context. So that's where it's good to have people like Zach Long who actually, you know, give you the reasons, give you the fundamental knowledge of why you do things. And I think we get a fair amount of that in PT school but sometimes it's good to again seek those outside resources and I I, I love the NSCA for that I know they're kind of polarizing for a few different reasons but man con ed that comes with that has been so much better than a lot of things that I've had in the physical therapy world
4: to kind of just go off what you're saying like without uh, without context to exercises like some degree of cynicism or like skepticism is good to have especially in the social media realm when you can literally post anything Um, So like trying it, you know, is this exercise really beneficial for what whoever is prescribing it or showing or demonstrating and that ultimately will make us better PTs for being able to, you know, to see the rationale to certain exercises or to say, you know, this exercise, I mean, it's crappy, it's bad. And um, being able to kind of sift through the, the very light filter on social media to really find what's, what's got good substance to it.
1: Yeah, I think those are all great points, but I'm going to try to change gears a little bit here because we are getting to the point now uh, in our uh, PT education where we're starting to figure out what we want to do long-term we're in our third year and our program does go an extra semester. So they like to say three and a third. Um, But we are essentially one year away from taking boards if you're going to take early. So that means some options are out there, you know, especially when it comes to things like residencies, residencies and mentorship. So um, I wanted to kind of poll you guys and see uh, is a residency a residency, something you're thinking about. Um, is that something that at least is on the table for you? And then, you know, what are your thoughts overall on residencies? Do you think it's something that, you know, the PT model needs to move more towards like the medical model where residencies are almost, you know, required essentially? Um, Or do you think it still needs to kind of follow more of uh, if you want to um, see some thoughts on that?
5: So personally I have considered residency, but due to a lot of reasons, a lot of them pertaining to money, I don't think that it's, fiscally responsible for me to go that direction right now I feel that you're going to have to find mentors in your field where you are Um, you may have to do a little extra legwork to do that but I think in the end it's probably going to work out better for me to not go that route Um, that's part of the reason that I don't feel like having PT move toward the medical route unless we have like a change in payment structure and all of that could be like feasible. Um, I like the idea of having people specialize, but I also like the idea that I'm in physical therapy and today I want to work with the geriatric population and tomorrow I want to work with babies and I can do that. So I, I'm not a big fan of like forcing specialization. So that's just kind of where I am.
6: Um, I'm hoping to eventually go into sports or just athletes maybe not exactly elite but definitely high high level and Mm -hmm. in that area of expertise I feel like it is kind of important to maybe go the residency route because there's so much information that you can learn from having a mentor and spending however amount of time the year to focus primarily on that and trying to make sure that you are the best PT for those athletes because you are pretty much the person that's trying to get them from an injury point to a full level, back to normal, um, maybe even better than where they were before. So I think having that residency, um, maybe just even in getting the orthopedics, the OCS or the um, sports um, certification, that that might be something in the near future for myself because I think it is very important to kind of take you to the next level.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm also intending to work with either elite athletes or kind of striving intense athletes, whether, you know, maybe they're not quite elite, but I, I definitely want to work with the population that's really pushing themselves. And I kind of feel the same way where <laughs> the main reason I feel like I need to do a residency is to kind of chase the, either the SCS or the OCS. And it's more about kind of proving my bona fides to a future employer, because I don't really know. I guess, and maybe you guys can elaborate on this or kind of clarify. But I'm not really sure if it would actually make me a better PT in that way, or if it's just about proving to a future employer. I guess, and so I'm 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 a little bit torn in that way. But I think I'm probably going to do it just because I want to want to be able to prove myself. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think uh, a lot of that comes down to is you really need to be really selective about if you are going to do a residency program about really kind of doing your homework and really choosing one that you feel like you're going to get exposed to what you really want to learn. You know, we, um, Um, there's lots of different programs out there. Some are great. Some are more of, you know, you're just cheap labor and you're going to see a lot of patients and maybe not get as much experience as what you would want. So being selective with that can make a huge, huge difference with that. Um, You know, I'm I'm of the opinion, I think residencies are good, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I do like kind of having that model just because it, honestly, it helps statue of our profession overall of kind of having that model. Um, I think we, we still have a ways to go as far as how much they're organized. It probably needs to be a little bit more standardized as far as what all is taught and all that stuff. Now, ultimately the test is doing OCS or SCS or NCS or any of those, um, but that's to be something where somebody can just study for it for two years and take the same test too. So I think there probably needs to be some kind of standardization or something like that as far as what all is taught within a residency.
1: Yeah, I love getting all the different opinions on it, because they're definitely, I think Jessica makes a really good point, there is the financial implications, because you are not going to, you know, most likely you are not going to be making as much money during that residency, and it's, there's not much to be said on a huge pay increase from having those credentials, so um, I think that's an important aspect to look into, um, I think Brian's also right there, too, because, you know, I have, we've had a former guest on the podcast, uh, Dr. Jeff Taylor, uh, one of my athletes, who's also a PT, played professional baseball, and what to get in working with professional baseball uh, athletes, so um, he's in currently in Greenville. He works with ATI, but he's doing their you know their upper extremity sports residency because it's, it's maybe a stepping stone to help make him a little bit more marketable for his ultimate goal of specialization. So it's nice, you know, if, if someone wants to specialize, we have that option as a profession, but then it's not mandatory. And like Jessica said, if we want to be able to be more of a generalist and see a little bit uh, you know more diverse population, then we can too. So um, I, I think it's it's a great discussion. There are great points on both sides
0: yeah how many people here want to do a residency so we got about what five six seven okay third oh, yeah but third class yeah and I, I do have experience I, I did have a, a resident uh, Tristan Feldman our employees and, and she's awesome and she did a, a really good job with it and this will not apply to y'all but there has been a suggestion that the DPT degree, the DPT students kind of follow the medical model, meaning that when you get through school, you may have a provisionary license where you're allowed to treat patients and then you're going to be forced to specialize and then you get your full license. They haven't quite figured out and it might not even happen. I disagree with that. So I agree with you, Jessica, because I think that that cheapens the DPT degree, right? We haven't quite figured out the big things like we talked about really getting direct access and that kind of thing. Uh, about once a quarter, I'll get someone emailing me because uh, we are an EIM host site for residency, inquiring about doing a residency at Vertex, and I end up talking them out of it most of the time because it's a huge pay cut. And just to put some numbers behind it, it's twelve thousand five hundred dollars. You're you're agreeing to take a pay cut on for EIM, and think about how much debt you guys are racking up, you guys and girls are racking up, and you know decide if that's worth it. But I think if you have a reason for that forgetting it. So say you do want to work with a sports team or, you know, one of these big corporate companies that does work that do work with athletes, they may require that and you might have to get that. But if you're just doing it to get mentorship, I don't really recommend that because you can put yourself in a position at really any job, any city you want and get with a good mentor. And if those letters mean a lot to you, you can just wait a couple of years, study and take the test. And to be honest with you, I think you mentioned it earlier, half the patients barely know what a physical therapist does. The people that care about those letters, pretty much physical therapists and not the patients for the most part. Just a,
4: just a question regarding uh, residency. So you said it was about a $12,500 pay cut to undergo the residency program. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, uh,
0: it depends on your situation. That is cost of tuition with free IM essentially. And so as the employer, for the resident we agree to pay that but that's essentially coming out of the salary that's agreed upon between the employer and the employee
4: so that that being said after completing the residency are you marketable for a higher salary and if so is it enough to compensate for the amount of money that you're losing like you know,
0: that depends so that depends on what structure might be in place but here's the thing if you're working for a company that gets paid by insurance that gets reimbursement, you get paid the exact same as a PT. You get paid the exact same as a PTA, even if you have the OCS. So, something to think about.
2: Yeah, and and there's a um, tenant in economics called opportunity cost. So, you have to look at the opportunity cost of going through residency. And so, you're so if your salary is going to be reduced by at least twelve thousand five hundred dollars for each year you do a residency you you're not going to make that money back anywhere that's that's a year of making less money and so you need to weigh uh, whether that that lost that lost monetary benefit is worthwhile experience wise um, and like Brandon said you know we we don't get paid anymore by whether it's a a cash pay or insurance reimbursement rate whether we have a specialist, um, specialization or not. Um, and honestly it, it depends on where you are, how much you get paid. You know, um, we know some residencies pay a little bit more than others. Um, I know at our clinic, we try to be as fair as we can with it, uh, but it is going to, you're going to pay, you're going to be paid less because you don't have a full load patient wise because you have a lot of that didactic portion of it as well. And then, so we've heard some other offers from other clinics and they were actually a lot less than what we, what we paid for, residency at ours um and it's so all those factors need to weigh in and um um, i think right now the monetary benefit outside of just the hopefully having a great experience and gaining the knowledge and all that stuff if you're looking at it from a pure economics perspective it doesn't particularly make sense um hopefully that changes because that's what we want for our profession but right now that that big economic benefit for specializing and kind of gaining more knowledge and all that stuff doesn't kind of hold true when we just look at the numbers.
1: Awesome. I'm I'm loving this conversation. We're hitting a lot of great topics and I kind of want, I guess I'm going to be the one to keep changing the topic on everybody. So um, I wanted to change it up a little bit and talk about uh, a little bit about balance. Uh, PT school is hard. Um, I don't know if you all feel that way. I know I feel that way. Um, it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of work, uh, a lot of sacrifices and other aspects of life. And one of the most difficult things I know I find is making sure I have balance throughout and make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I have time for my fiance that, I, you know, I got two dogs I want to play with, you know, so for me, it can be, it can be tough. Um, but I want to kind of get your guys' uh, thoughts and opinions here. You know, what other things do you have going on? How do you balance things? Um, you know, just for any future PT students that might be listening.
4: Um, So PT school is extremely hectic and extremely competitive, Um, especially our program requires us to, you know, attain an 80 minimum to be able to pass. So that with that comes a lot of stress. Um, So I think the biggest thing, uh, two of the biggest things that I've really had to, struggled with and and still struggle with at times is um self-care like taking time to um to really like take care of yourself whether it's getting in the gym spending time outside like in communities that um you know aren't just in the basement of your physical therapy program building um and then also like perspective so you know does does physical therapy define like ultimately who you are Um, it may define your profession, but it doesn't define a lot of like the character outside of that. So, you know, whether it's getting involved in a like charity work or, um, like for me, uh, I've been able to find a, like a great church community and be able to spend a lot of time doing that outside of school to, you know, to allow me to decompress, to allow me to build with, you know, people in Columbia for others it's playing intramural sports or, um, just doing anything outside of putting your nose in a book, um, it's it's hard to take time away from studying when you think of like, well, if I don't do as well on a test, I'm going to think I should be, you know, be studying a lot more. But it it all comes back around and um, you look back and you're like, man, I'm glad I took a break. I'm glad I allowed my mind to rest. Uh, and I think that allows us to, to fight that burnout and, you know, hit the ground running whenever we,
3: we do graduate. So. I'm not really sure if I should have the microphone right now, but I th- I think the key is to really establish a comfortable level of mediocrity and just fly under the radar until you hit boards and then wing it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sort of. I'm sort of. I'm exaggerating. So I re- I remember first year. I I really thought like I thought that. Me and a lot of the people that I studied with really fought for every inch, right? We would have tests that we had to memorize, you know, like six or seven PowerPoints worth of information. And I remember three in the morning, the night before a test, I would get down to the last 20 slides and I would just keep going, keep going, keep going. And one thing that's happened that I think has been genuinely healthy for me over the last two years since then is that I've I've become a little bit more comfortable with not killing myself for everything, for every slide of information. And I I actually think that rather than damaging my my future as a PT, it's actually allowed me to expand my interests. You know, I read more blogs. I read more performance training stuff. I I actually feel like I'm a lot more well-rounded because I'm not slaughtering myself over two points on a, you know, a hundred point test. Um, So I I was joking about cultivating a level of mediocrity, but, you know, reduce that by like (laughs) 90%. And that's actually been really good for me, I think. So
6: All right, so um, I am a very type A person, so I'm pretty much organized and like to stay on top of my stuff on a day-to-day basis. So I try to spend at least most of my time doing school and stuff during the week. That way I have my fair share of fun at football games and can do things with my friends on the weekend. Um, but along with PT school, I also TA for the med school, so that adds in kind of a um, something else that kind of i have to put some work into but it's something that i truly enjoy a lot and it doesn't always feel like a job but it also can help me with pt school while i'm teaching uh, the medical students so even though i spend uh four hours in there monday wednesday friday and then i have to go straight to class um, here it kind of is that sense of i'm doing something that i like and It's not really making me feel like I'm in class 24-7, so I think kind of doing things that you do enjoy, like Corey said, finding um, like extracurricular activities that you want to do is very important for your health because in PT school, it's a lot of stress, and you're constantly having to study for a test or come up with presentations, and I think if you don't do that, then you may like burn out earlier than other students who might have taken some time during school to not go that
5: extra mile. So I kind of agree with Brian. Um, I came into PT school as pretty much a perfectionist, but I also like to be really, really busy. So not just school busy, but like, I have a job at an office. I work in a research lab. I do things with church and people. And so I like to be busy. Um, Things I found that work well for me are scheduling. Have a good schedule. Like it can be a flexible schedule, but like have everything you need on your schedule. Um, And also realizing that there is such a thing as overstudying. Don't get to that point you're gonna get to that point and it's gonna get you're gonna go insane so just don't get to that point you kind of take a breath do something fun like everybody's saying do things outside of school school can be a large portion of your life it's kind of your job right now like your main full-time job but that doesn't mean you can't have a life outside of it
0: Yeah, y'all are doing a lot better than I did when I was in PT school. (laughs) Y'all are taking care of yourself like mentally, physically, and spiritually. But I don't think I'm the best example of work-life balance because I've always kind of had this thought that the phrase everything in moderation doesn't really apply. Because if if something's worth doing, you're going to go all in or not do it at all. Um, But yeah, back when I was in PT school, I just remember it was just go, go, go during the week and then the weekends get chocolate wasted. And then, uh, now, now, now I'm just, uh, now I've just replaced alcohol with coffee. Um, so I'm still working on that, but I, I got to thank my wife. I mean, she's, she's good at kind of pulling me away from stuff and, you know, having a kid has really forced me to have a little more of a balance, but it's still a work in progress.
1: Yeah, it definitely can be difficult. I know. I, I love what Corey was saying for me. It was the self-care aspect, uh, very quickly let that fall off, uh, because it, in order to make sure that nothing else fell off something was going to give and that's where it was so um it took some some particular scheduling some accepting like brian said of of being okay with you know i know this pretty well i should be good rather than you know staying at it for a little extra longer um and also again i wanted to make sure that kelsey still wanted to marry me so uh yeah i got to take that into account too but um Another thing about PT school is we we get exposed to so many different areas within PT, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier, and um, I know a couple of us actually reshared a post um, on Facebook. It was about National P- uh, PT Month is this month, October, um, that a uh, uh, former professor, Derek, had put up there talking about all the different ways that PT can can benefit someone all these different areas so I want to ask each of you did you already have an idea of what you wanted to do when you started PT school and has that changed since you've been going through and gotten exposed to these different areas
3: so I knew what I wanted to do but I was afraid to admit it I remember uh like on the first day of orientation they asked us to raise our hands if if we knew what we wanted to do and I was so I I've mentioned it a couple of times. I want to work with athletes, and I was afraid to be just just another bro who came to PT school and wanted to keep working out for the rest of my life. Uh, so I like kind of pretended like maybe I wanted to do neuro, and like maybe I wanted to work with geriatrics, but I never really did. And I've <laughs> I've like finally gotten to the point where I'm willing to admit it that that's what I want to do. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's up, I guess. <laughs>
4: <clears throat> I think I was similar to Brian, a bro wanting to work with orthopedic injuries. Um, The reason I got introduced to physical therapy was having orthopedic injuries of my own. And um, the way that uh, my physical therapist, Dr. Taylor, like one of my mentors uh, back in Ohio, uh, he helped me to get back on the field. And so the component of like restoring hope with athletes has always been something that's Um, been like near and dear to my heart and why I want to be a physical therapist so like the high level athletes certainly an aspect that I want to pursue but um, more recently I've I've been very interested in the neuro population Um, working in the acute care setting and barring the um, the clinical internship that we have coming in the spring as well uh, that would be something that I'd really like to consider Um, people that are um, at a really low place and being able to to help them get back to do like to doing things that we take for granted um, I think that would, could be very rewarding um, one for them and two just for me to be able to to walk with someone through that journey um, so yeah that would be um, kind of where I stand finding a niche of like where I could excel and and also be marketable to to companies and to to businesses.
6: I'm pretty similar to Corey's story. Um, Played sports in college and had gotten my typical soccer ACL injury in high school. And it kind of what set me up to wanting to come to PT school was the amount of um, care that was given to me by my physical therapist when I had torn my ACL and the fact that I told him I had to be back at this time and I needed to play because if I didn't, I was going to lose my scholarship which wasn't going to happen, but that was my thought process, and he took that into consideration, and he made sure that by that point, I was back, and that just really, like, set the standards up to where I just knew that that was what I wanted to do, so coming into PT school, I obviously wanted to work with sports or athletes, and, uh, Now going through, I do kind of have that shift that I'm like, maybe I don't want to do that. It's definitely something that is still near and dear to my heart. Like I love sports and all that, but neuro and like the cardiopulmonary um, patients, they it's kind of like something that I like. And then spending time in the anatomy cadaver lab, like getting to see the hearts and like see how much this is such a problem in this nation with um, cardiovascular disease that it might be something that I'd be interested in and I probably won't know until I get through all my clinicals and I can pretty much say that I had a good experience in this one versus the other so it's going to be a way and see kind of thing.
5: Okay, Uh, I like that. That was really good. Um, I came into PT school wanting to work with performing artists. I grew up, as a dancer I everything from ballet to ballroom now I mostly do salsa and swing I still kind of want to do that but I kind of want to expand that into maybe implementing maybe some dance movements into maybe some uh, rehab for a geriatric population or people you know balance and falls those are kind of really big things um, that result in a lot of terrible injuries and a lot of people and I like to dance I've met a lot of older adults who like to dance if I can convince them to do some exercise around dance I think that would be great
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's always good to have some street cred with the patients you're going to see right if you do a lot better dancers than I would (laughs) but um I, I don't know the data on this, but it's our podcast. We'll just make it up. But I think it's, I think 99% of PT students going to school wanting to do some kind of outpatient ortho. And then it seems that once you get in, you do your clinicals, you kind of find your way. Right. And I think that's one really good thing about this program. I mean, you got so many great professors, diverse backgrounds, and they're all very open-minded. And so they're going to expose you to as many different things as possible. The, the expectation I don't, I don't think is really to be an expert on any one thing just from the formal education process but then it's up to y'all it's up to y'all to take ownership of your education so find good mentors pick the right clinical rotations and then also be smart be intelligent about the job you pick i mean money's one aspect of it but again you're going to probably want to seek out good mentors that kind of thing because because to be great at something it takes time everybody wants to go from a to z skipping letters along the way, but it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, I just encourage you to have some kind of a long-term vision and some kind of a roadmap for how you want to get to where you want to go eventually.
1: Yeah. I love that you mentioned the education aspect of PT school being so diverse and exposed you to so many different things, because that's where I want to go with our next question. So i um, trying to tie that in. Yes, it's broad. It's diverse. We get a ton of stuff in PT school. It's long. It's 10 freaking semesters um, for our program, at least. But I want to ask each of you, do you feel like there's an area in, you know, the education aspect of PT, formal PT school that you think could be improved or something that's missing? Anything you would add, anything you would take out, you know, just kind of a, a 30,000 foot view on the PT education. All right, well, I'll give you what I think about that. Um, so, for me, um, when it comes to the PT education, I love that we are exposed to all these different things. Um, but, you know, as PTs, we are known for chronically underdosing our patients. And I don't think our PT education necessarily does a lot to help that. We just talk about how we are known for that. So, um, I would love to see a little bit more in the exercise prescription area, figuring out what you know, taking more, maybe a, a case study type approach where you're taking, you know, um, you know, some specific instance, you're talking about appropriate types of exercise, appropriate loading, how to progress those that, uh, you know, that program with that person, um, you know, over there, you know, the course of their treatment. I think that's just, for me, that's an area that I, I think is underutilized. I think, as Brian mentioned earlier, um, we have a great Therax program. Um, and it, lays a nice foundation, but, um, as we mentioned, that's, it's, it's fairly low level. It's meant for the vast majority of people. Uh, and we don't really ever go into anything above that. So, you know, there, you know, like Brandon always talks about, there are ortho PTs that are, you know, there are OCS and SCS and supposed to be the best in the sports world that don't even know what a clean is, you know, and have never done one. And I'm not saying that you have to, you know, do those types of things, but exposure to that aspect, I think would be really important. Um, because it's not just the ortho world in which we we struggle with exercise prescription. I think it's just across the board. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I think it's important also just just look at it from the perspective of perspective of the program, the faculty. Their main priority is to make sure that they get you through the program that y'all have a 100% success rate on the licensure exam, right? How many times have y'all heard the phrase you need to learn this for the board exam, but then you can forget it afterwards. Have some professors said that? Yeah, because it, it, it's outdated and they can't help that, right? There's still stuff about ultrasound and, you know, vertebral artery testing and things like that, but you are going to be tested on it. So, you know, again, it goes back to the macro level. They're going to have to update that exam at some point. But, you know, I would strongly encourage you to supplement your education a little bit. Again, that, that ice physio, that virtual ice, 30 bucks a month. I mean, y'all could each pull together a dollar a piece and get in on that together. I think it's really, really valuable, and I think it'd give you a really good head start on any upcoming clinical rotations. Yeah. Um, so what, I th- what we thought we'd do last is kind of open up a little bit of a Q&A. So we've, you know, we talked for about a, a good hour now. Does anybody have any questions? Anybody want to raise their hand, and ask anything, anything at all, related or unrelated to what we talked about?
6: Um, This is kind of for you, Brandon, and Jim, for something that as a student, us being third years and kind of finishing up our schooling, is there anything that you think would be knowledge that's beneficial for us um, in looking for jobs or, um, I guess, residencies or stuff like that? Any information that...
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think one of the things that we look for whenever we're looking to hire um, potential candidates is, um, even if it's a new grad, I think one thing that really impresses us is if they've kind of gone above and beyond um, schooling wise, if they've already gone and done some continued a classes, or if they have a really big interest in this, what have they done to try to help learn more about that, facilitate that. Um I think one of the other big things and uh, I, that Brandon and I, that makes a big, big impression on us is people following up. So when we interview somebody, somebody just send us a thank you note. Thank you for your time when doing that. it yeah, handwritten. Definitely. And you know, I think for our last for our last opening we had we interviewed I think maybe 10 candidates. We had one or two actually send us a thank you note and you know that was one of the ones we hired. And so those type things, those are things that can set you apart with a lot of, with a lot of that. And we you know, we place a lot of value on those type things because that shows us they're going to apply those same principles to how they treat patients and they're going to provide that excellent patient experience because they or that detail oriented and, and are concerned about um, experience wise and that type thing.
0: Yeah, those are really good points. And um, I'm going to touch on that in a minute, but I think just networking right now is just so important. I don't think it's ever been as important as it is now to start doing that, just start creating relationships, especially if you're thinking about doing some kind of a residency or something like that, talk to people that have gone through it. You, you find someone that's had some success it's, to some degree, you're going to want to copy what they did. And if you are thinking about doing that, Spend like a full day in the clinic and, you know, talk to everyone. Don't just talk to the PTs, talk to the front desk coordinator, talk to, you know, any kind of techs or aides that they have. Try to get the full picture of everything that's going to decide if you're want to do that. And then, yeah, that is, that is such a good point, though, about the, the thank you notes. I mean, because that that is going to give some implication about, you know, how you may go the extra mile with an actual patient. Because at the end of the day, you could be top of your class. You could be the smartest PT student in the world, but you can't be a dork in the clinic. You have to actually have some compassion, some empathy. You have to be able to connect. You have to be able to create relationships, especially in a clinic where you're going to be spending a lot of time with a patient, you know, one-on-one for an hour. You're going to get get to know people on a personal level. So um, it's the details. The, The details always matter. That's what separates the good from the great
1: don't be a dork that's going to be the new um the new headline or for the for the episode um no and i i don't have near the experience that brandon and jim have hiring people but i have had to to hire people for our performance training business um coaches and for me it's Honestly, I don't, you know, it's less about really what that person knows or their credentials. Uh, I want to, like they said, I want to know, can that person create a genuine relationship with someone? Because that's such a huge portion of it. And and with what I do, that coach is going to be helping that. That person with their their training, their nutrition, their stress management, working with them on their sleep, all aspects of their lifestyle. It's it's very comprehensive. So I need somebody that can talk to people. I need somebody that has you know that is you know a good listener. Um, all those qualities that they mentioned, you know, I think they they apply almost everywhere. I think they're pretty universal, regardless of the the profession, but it definitely doesn't help to kind of start to become a subject matter expert in the, um, area that you are looking to go into. So if you're looking to go into, um, sports, uh, you know, there's you know, find somebody who's treating that type of patients go hang out at the clinic, um, whatever it might be. They mentioned those things. I think that it's so important to start doing that now. Um, and don't be afraid to spend a little money to do that. Um, a lot of people will give you their time and effort and energy it for a you buying them lunch or buying them a cup of coffee. I can't tell you how many times I've called up a strength conditioning coach that I really wanted to spend a day with and learn. Like, hey, I was wondering if I could come by, uh, maybe buy, you know buy you lunch, pick your brain a little bit, and and watch how you work with people. And i uh, you know, and you'll go and, and you spend the whole day with them, and they're so willing to give you that information and to share with you. And it you know, it costs twenty bucks to go buy them lunch, and it's worth hundredfold of that. Um, so uh, making those connections now, being able to spend a little money, drive to a clinic, you know, if you were interested in cash based clinic, go call Danny and ask him if you can go over there and, and watch him for a day and, and do that kind of thing. Cause there are people who are willing to share that information. You just got to seek it out um, and be willing to spend a little bit of money to do it, to travel a little bit or something like that.
0: One piece of advice too, with, with these you know really popular PTs like Danny, like Zach Long, if you decide to reach out to them, Make sure you're ready to bring something to the table too because y'all are probably one of 100 PTs that shoot an email every week. So do something to set yourself apart, something you can do to help them help the patients as well.
1: So before we head out here, I wanted to uh, give a shout-out to one of our panelists who has his own podcast, Podcast Vet, who also plays a little podcast game on on their podcast. Uh, It's all about NBA basketball. So, Brian, tell us, one, what's the name of your podcast? And let's talk about this game. Let's play a little
3: bit. So, my podcast is called "How to train your dragon that's d r a g a n um, It's only about basketball, so don't listen to it if you're not into that um, but we play a little parlor game which is not about basketball it's called dope or not dope and the key the key here is to just go fast okay so i'm I'm gonna pass the mic to Jim and he's just gonna pass it left okay and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say a thing like a noun and you're gonna say whether it's dope or not and if you feel passionate about it Give me one sentence why, and then just pass me the mic back, okay? You ready? Mm-hmm. Dope or not dope, professional wrestling. Dope. Oh, <laughs> professional wrestling's weird, man. I... <laughs> professional wrestling is the male version of musicals. <laughs> like, I just, you have to suspend disbelief to such a ridiculous. I don't get it. But hey, man. Whatever makes you happy. All right. Josh. Dope or not dope, drum solos. Dope. Really? (laughs) you not seeing Step Brothers. All right, that's a fair point. (laughs) Step Brothers is good. Dope or not dope, Bud Light Lime. Not dope. That's a chick beer. I love Bud Light Lime. Um... (laughs) Just across the board, man. Like we, We're we not going to date. None of us are going to date. Um, all right, Corey. Dope or not dope, riding a mechanical bull.
4: Hmm. Not dope.
3: Uh, ride a real bull instead.
2: Fair enough. Okay.
3: All right, I got two more. You guys ready? Dope or not dope, this is one I asked you before, hot tubs. Not dope. Well, I think, like, what you said earlier is really true.
2: It's like a big bathtub that a lot of people have been sitting in. Yeah.
3: Gross. Yeah, it's a little gross. A little gross, especially the ones that are, like, outside of a hotel. Three more? All right. I have a list on a Word document. That's
0: what he's been doing this whole I was
3: typing them up while you guys were talking. I wasn't listening. Right. Dope or not dope, crunchy peanut butter. Not dope, dude. Creamy all the way. Dope or not dope? Jimmy Fallon. Not dope. Too wholesome. Jimmy I I hate Jimmy Fallon, man. Oh, Jimmy, awesome. Jimmy Fallon needs to stop laughing at his own stuff. <laughs> all right, Corey, do you want one? I don't have any left. I'll do Bud Light Line again. <laughs> yeah, Corey. Dope or not dope?
4: Bud Light Line. So dope. I've had it three weeks straight, uh, three weekends straight. Not to be followed by a close second, uh, Cactus Lime, Michelob Ultra.
1: <laughs> I have to say, that is the first parlor game to make an appearance on the Better Faster podcast. And I'd be willing to say it might end up being <laughs> the last. <laughs> no, we appreciate Brian coming prepared, as always, uh, and keeping it, uh, keeping it light. Um, Really enjoyed this conversation. We have to thank all four of our panelists: Brian Kibler, Corey Stewart, uh, Shay Roney, and Jessica Russell. Um, Enjoy getting all their uh, unique and diverse uh, opinions and experiences. I think it's really beneficial. Um, and you know, Jim, thank you for setting this up. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to to get an episode with some, with a, a nice little group. Um, As we sign off here, definitely want to make sure you know about uh, the courses that are upcoming in the Columbia area. Two of them, November 3rd, Body Tempering at Spud's Place. I Actually, unfortunately, I think that just sold out. Um, I think Donnie posted something about it literally like an hour ago, if I remember reading it, where it might already be full. So if you missed that one, I'm sorry. We will be doing more. Got approved for SCAP, uh, CEUs in the state of South Carolina for an entire year, so we're gonna try to have a few more of those. Um, Brandon's gonna be there with me uh, instructing that one, and then November tenth and eleventh at Vertex Clinical Running Essentials. Um, this is gonna be an awesome course. Chris Johnson, um, Zarin PT on all the social medias. It's gonna be a great course. Yeah, um, is today the, th- today's the third, right? Yes, he actually extended the deadline for the early bird discount until today. It was supposed to be the end of this month uh, or the end of September. So hop on that one, save you a little bit of money. Going to be an awesome course. Uh, As always, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast. I'm hoping all 20 members of the room right now are going to go ahead and do that and leave us a review. Uh, Please leave us a review. Great place to leave a question so we have some topics for future episodes. We appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to listen next week for another episode of the Better Faster Podcast.
6: This episode is brought to
1: you by Vertex PT Specialist, one patient per doctor physical therapy per hour.
5: Guaranteed, the best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.